You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. I am actually not Al Melchior, as you can tell, but his name is part of the branding of the show, so this is a bit awkward and probably poor planning on my part when I approve the show name, but we can address that at a different place in time. Al's on his way from Montana to New York for his Tout Wars draft this weekend. I know Al's listeners are excited about that. And, uh, you know, now that I think about it, uh, Al's actually the first and only person that I knowingly have met that is from the state of Montana, by the way. And since he's moved there from Florida, I know he's commandeered a horse. And I know I saw pictures of a moose on his property, so it's official. And now, buddy, if you're listening on the plane, I hope you have a safe flight, mostly so I don't have to do this again. And, uh, and so you guys have me for the next hour. And, of course, uh, I am Mike Cardano, a pioneer of sorts. I am the director here at the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. And when hosts need someone to cover the show, uh, and I do a poor job of uh, planning and getting a fill-in host, well, this is what happens. You get me. But uh, don't fear. Don't feel bad for me. I've done this type of thing a time or two before, and you're in good hands. And I say that mostly because I have with me Mike Florio of RotoExperts.com fame, who, as luck would have it, happens to be the producer of the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior, and today me. And he knows exactly what you want, uh, don't you, Mike? I think so. You've got I, the I, pulse of the people. I think they want Al, but we're not a bad uh, fallback option. No, no, no. We're, we're going to take an in-depth look uh, today, Mike, and to your team, the New York Metropolitans. Are that, you ready? That makes me both excited and a little sad. Why? Why sad? Because uh, they should be better than what I expect from them this season. All right. Well, they haven't started yet, so don't, don't fear. But before we get started here, how are things breaking your way with regard to the NCAA tournament? Uh, has your bracket gotten off to a good start? So far, the only game that I believe is finished has been Rhode Island beat Oklahoma, and I had Rhode Island. So far, so good. All right. So we're going to get right to this. So the, uh, the Mets made it official. Your boy Noah Syndergaard is going to start opening day, and Jacob DeGrom will pitch game two. Um, first, as a young, naive Mets fan, and I was one of those back in the day, by the way, are you happy with that? Yeah, I mean, to me, opening day is very overrated. I think fans put a lot of stock into it as to who's getting to start. The players, I'm sure it means something to them, but ultimately I don't think Jacob DeGrom is you know, thinking that he is any less of a pitcher now that he is not pitching opening day. Now, everybody's made a big deal over Syndergaard, DeGrom, Harvey, and Mats, and Wheeler all starting on consecutive games in spring training. Are you drinking that Kool-Aid? No, because that will not ever happen in the regular season unless Jason Vargas gets hurt. So are you old enough to remember uh, Generation K with uh, Wilson, Puzzlefer, and Isringhausen, or no? I'm not old enough, but I know about them. Yeah, that didn't work out. No, it didn't. And sadly, this generation of Mets pitchers, while they had, they've all had success, I don't think anyone would say that they had the success that fans dreamt of a couple years ago. So uh, l- let me say this. So you've got uh, Mickey Calloway there, right? And he came over from Cleveland, the pitching coach. Yep. Do you think that Jairus Familia is going to get all the save opportunities? Do you think Calloway is going to manage it kind of the way he uh, it worked in Cleveland, where 
basically their best pitcher, Andrew Miller, just came in to get out the toughest and highest leverage outs, no matter when that was, and it was usually in the 7th or 8th inning. Yeah, I know he said he wants to manage the bullpen like that, but he also said he expects uh, Familia to finish with the most saves. I think there will be some times where he does bring in Familia for like the 7th or 8th inning, but ultimately I, I do think Familia will lead them in saves, and I think that makes him a good bargain in fantasy because – because of Mickey Calloway's comments, he's going pretty late. Like he's going as a second relief pitcher, like an RB two range, rather than a top twelve option. And we saw before last season, the two seasons before that, he saved a lot of games for the Mets. So even if he's in that thirty to forty saves range, which I think he can be, I think that provides a good value. Now I'm going to bedazzle you with stats today, Mike. You didn't expect. I didn't this expect this at all. No, no, I didn't expect it either. I'm not sure how it's <laughs> going to turn out. To be honest with you. So, now, Familia had a first pitch strike rate of less than 44% last year, which was fourth lowest among relievers in all of Major League Baseball. The average was almost 60%, 59.4%. So, you know, falling behind is not a good thing. And even when he is successful in getting the saves, you know, he's shaky. The, the, the whip doesn't help you. He's always constantly putting people on. So, uh, you know, from a fantasy perspective, don't you perceive risk there, if, if not from a, a, a Mets perspective? You, there's no way you can feel comfortable when he comes in to a game from a, as a fan standpoint. How do you feel as a, a, a fantasy owner? Uh, I, I'm not going to say I felt total confidence in him because, like, I was at a game uh, two years ago where he, against the Cubs, he loaded the bases with no outs. And ultimately, in a one-run game, he did get out of it. So I, I don't actually think when he's coming in like, oh, man, this game is he's going to blow it like I used to with other Mets closers in the past. But from a fantasy perspective, you are dead on the money. Like his whip isn't going to be great. He is going to give you strikeouts, though. I think ultimately what you want when you draft a reliever, though, is saves like that is why you are drafting these guys. And the fact that in 2015 and 2016 combined, he had over 90 saves. I think you will live with the high whip. That's why right now, even you're not drafting him. He's going outside the top 12, maybe even outside the top 15. So I think that does provide some value there just because the low price that you have to pay for him. But Here's the problem, though. So if he's putting people on, you need to get ground balls, right? Yes. So opponents had a ground ball rate of over 61% against him, which was 14th highest among relievers. That's not... You know, if you're a closer, the, the league average is 45%. He's, he's close to 62%. Which helps him because when he walks those guys, then he gets that ground ball double play. It's all a part of his plan. Well, 14th <laughs> highest. There's only how many, there's how many National League teams are there? 15. Uh, that's not too good. No, I, I mean, a 60% ground ball rate is very good. <sighs> but th- this is all part of the reason why I think he is better you use in the ninth inning instead of in an Andrew Miller role. He's he's not an Andrew Miller-esque pitcher. Well, meaning what? He's not going to get the strikeouts? No, he'll get the strikeouts, but I don't know if you want to use him all over the like in different roles in the seventh, the eighth, against your, you know, you're bringing him in in high leverage situations. Oftentimes, we see Andrew Miller come in with men on base, and I don't think he is that kind of pitcher. I think you want to bring him in to a clean inning and let him work rather than bring him in with men on, and then before you know it, he walks a guy, and now bases are loaded or whatever the case. And you're, you're confident that Mickey Calloway is going to use him that way because he hasn't really committed and said he's my guy. 
No, I I don't think the Mets have a Andrew Miller esque pitcher because I don't think AJ Ramos is like that. I think he is a guy who needs a clean inning because, like Familia, he's going to work himself into jams and then try and work out of it. So, I I've been thinking the Mets need another reliever, but maybe it's uh, it's going to be Swarzak who gets used in that Andrew Miller role or Jerry Blevins. But I don't think it's going to be Jerry Familia. All right, uh, let, let's move on. We're going to touch uh, every nook and cranny, every every just about every position here. Do you know who the Mets drafted number one in 2011? 2011. Um, I don't. Not off the top of my head. That would be Brandon Nimmo. Ah, uh, I think that was Sandy Alderson's first pick as general manager. He's from Cheyenne, Wyoming. So we've already discussed Montana and Wyoming today, which is amazing, actually. <laughs> do you know Wyoming is one of only three states that do not have high school baseball? I, at all? No. Like, where do these kids play baseball? Yeah, you play in American Legion Bowl. You play travel. He didn't play high school baseball. There was no, there is no high school baseball. Anyway. What are the other states? Uh, I don't know. What do you, maybe you can look that up. For, maybe could it be uh, maybe Alaska? I don't, I don't know. Alaska and Hawaii would be my other two guesses. I think they play baseball in Hawaii, I would think. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe during a break, if you can figure that out for me. And but he's the thing that pissed me off with him. He played for Scotland in the World Basketball, uh, baseball Classic. His father's side of the family was Scottish. But I mean, uh, what is that? You you don't, can't make the American team, so you go play for a different team. He's not Scottish. He's from Wyoming. He was originally, I think, going to play for Team Italy as well. Him and Michael Conforto, but I don't think they did. <sighs> so anyway, <laughs> you know, the uh, Pirates were offering. They were trying hard to get him this offseason. And the Mets basically told him he was untouchable. So what do you think his role is going to be? I think he is going to be the center fielder and everyday leadoff hitter until Michael Conforto can come back. And then I think Conforto slides into that role. I mean, Nemo, he's not like a, a superstar by any stretch, but he gets on base and he gets on base very often. So I think that's what the Mets like in him, the fact that he could play all three outfield positions. And one thing I've been saying all offseason that I'm not opposed to is uh, if Nemo or I thought Juan Lagares at the time, if one of those two guys really steps up when Conforto comes back, why not move Jay Bruce to first base permanently and go with your, your best lineup that you can create? All right, don't front run my my rundown here. Sorry. We're going to talk about that. So you think he you think he plays over Lagaris? You think you're thinking Lagaris is coming in for defense? That's what he's here for. Yeah, I mean the latest reports are that the Mets are shopping Juan Lagaris, and I know there was a center field competition. I I guess I would use air quotes in that because it hasn't been much of a competition at all this spring. Nemo is tearing the cover off the ball, and Juan Lagares is hitting below 200. Yeah, I happen to like uh, Nemo. I mean, they, listen, they didn't want to trade him for a reason, so I don't think he's just going to be riding the pine here. Um, all right, let's move on to uh, Jonas Cespedes. Michael, do you think he's going to have more home runs this year than games he misses? Ooh. Uh, do the math. Do the mic math. I'm going to say yes, just because I've been – I have – a lot of shares of Jonas Cespedes, so I'm going to be hopefully optimistic and say he will have more home runs. Uh, and what, what is your prediction for home runs? I think he could Cespedes? be over 30. Really? Okay. And, and games played, how many do you think he gets past 130? I'd have to believe so, yeah, if, if I have the home run total. So, yeah, he'll play 130 games this year. All right. So he's not going to golf in between he, games? He apparently has not golfed in, like, a year. Okay. <laughs> All right, uh, who's going to miss more games on the DL, Cespedes or Conforto? Conforto. 
When do you expect Conforto back? I know the belief is early May, like for May 1st is like the date they keep throwing around. It, apparently he's ahead of schedule on everything, but I do not think they are going to rush him at all. So I'll, I'm not going to take the optimistic route when it comes to injuries in the Mets, so I'll say May 15th. Okay. All right, let's move on to your boy Jay Bruce, who you're lobbying to play first base. I, I'm guessing you have him and you want him to be a dual qualifier. I own maybe – I have like one – I had Jay Bruce in like one league, I believe. So assuming he needs to play, let's say, 20 games at first this year to obtain first base eligibility in a league. A lot, a lot of leagues that I've, I've, I've seen, they're, they're like uh, 20 games this year or 10 uh, last year. Do the, league, the leagues you play in are different? No, they're about the same. So do you think he'll get first base eligibility this year, 20 games? Uh, that's hard. Last year, I just checked, he played it 12 times, so... I could see him being in about that with the Mets. Range. With the Mets, yeah. Okay. Did he did he play at all? Not with the Mets. He was on two other teams, right? Uh, I'd have to check on that. But I know. Um, I, I I would want him to because I think Adrian Gonzalez is washed up, and I I personally believe Wilmer Flores gives them the best options that they have currently at first base. But they want to it seem only use him against lefties, so. Maybe in some games against righties, if Brandon Nemo plays real well, they will put him in first. So I'll guess that he plays 10 games at first base this year. So you've buried Dominic Smith. I, I'm rooting for Dominic Smith. I thought their best option at first would be a platoon with Wilmer and Dominic Smith, but they seem gung-ho to use an old, washed-up Adrian Gonzalez. So it's And the fact that Dominic Smith got hurt this spring doesn't really help his chances either. So will Dominic Smith... For a higher batting average than his weight. He's weighing in at uh, 226, they say. I, I will say he will. He will. All right. Todd Frazier, will he hit above his weight? He's listed as uh, 215. Ooh, last year he did not. No. And the year before that he was He might have weighed close. less last year. I don't know. Maybe he gained <laughs> some weight. I don't know. <laughs> he hit 213 last year. I'll say he will hit higher than 215. Not by much, but he'll, but he'll come higher. Really? All right. If you take Todd Frazier's strikeouts and you multiply him by three, get your abacus out. Get my what out? Abacus. You know what uh, abacus is? No. Oh, all right. <laughs> let's, let's call it a calculator, okay? Um, multiply it by three. Which will he have more of this season? Three times his home runs or strikeouts? Three times his... Wait. So, like, 75 home runs? Uh, is that how many you think he's going to hit? I think he's going to hit, like, 25. Tell me, what it is. is he going to have more strikeouts or more than three times his home runs? Oh, oh I get what you're saying now. He'll have more strikeouts. Okay. Uh, and your projection for his home runs is about 20, 25? About 25, give or take. All right. Is your boy David Wright going to see the field this year? <sighs> this, this breaks my heart, but no. So what what do we have a better chance at? Tim Tebow getting a bat at City Field or David Wright taking the field? Tim Tebow, because if the Mets, he, you know, he hit O fifty six and they sent him down. <laughs> he's he's terrible. He's not good. But if the Mets are out of it again, like they were last year, I think they get desperate enough to to call him up. Because as their GM always says, this is the entertainment business, and he'll put people in the seats. David Wright, sadly, I think it's over for him. I'll say this: if he gets called up for like. Saving a baby that's choking in the stands in, in AAA, I'm, I'm going to be pissed. 
But would you go to a Met game if, if you knew Tim Tebow was going to be playing? No, no, I wouldn't go there just <laughs> for that. What, what, what am I going to do when, when I get there? Watch Tim Tebow in his like major like if it was his major league debut, the tickets are super cheap because the Mets are out of it. But it's a little bit of a freak show, isn't it? Yeah, but that's why I would want to go and watch. I mean, the it's freak not the show. circus. Well, all right, all right. When uh, we come back, we're going to talk a little more about the Mets. We'll talk about the catching position. Your boy Ahmed Rosario. I know you're a big Ahmed Rosario fan. He starts to pose as. Uh, and Jose Reyes, Siamese twin. We'll be back after this. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. The Fancy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fancy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fancy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fancy Sports Radio Network. Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. All right, check out Fantrax.com. You can create the ultimate dynasty keeper or redraft fantasy league using Fantrax's free commissioner product. Find out how it feels to have the deepest player pool, multi-team trades, plus player salary and contract options at your fingertips, all of which are fully customizable. And with Fantrax Treasurer, you can set league entry fees and safely distribute payouts with a third party, so you don't have to track down owners for payment. Enter promo code AL, that's A-L, at sign up for a chance to win 10 private consultations with Al Melchior, who is the host of this show who's obviously not here today. Find out why Fantrax is the home of fantasy sports and check out Fantrax.com today. And Michael, we were just uh, graced by uh, George Capalbo just walked into the studio here. Uh, engineer, and, I, I, and I'm thinking, George, Boston Red Sox fan extraordinaire. Of course I am. You're not, I don't think his mic is on. All right. All right, well, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Maybe Mike can get his, uh, his mic turned on. Mike, let's... Uh, George, you got to turn your microphone on under there. Didn't you install this? I did not install it. Uh, underneath, there's a, uh, a a gizmo there. Oh, got it. So well, let's keep the show mo- moving How along. About that? Here, right? Oh, that's there we oh, go. Oh, there we go. Yeah, Are you it. a uh, Red Sox of fan? Extraordinary. I'm a Red Sox fan. And 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 your uh, you consider your expertise. Baseball is pretty much my sport. As a matter of fact, I think I told you this. I do a technology minute in Boston on Boston Herald Radio, and I'm actually going to be syndicating it. And right now I'm working on a segment on baseball, what's happening in baseball with technology. That might be riveting for some of Al's listeners. Michael, what might do you think? Did, did you know in 2018 all baseballs are going to be stored for the game? are going to be stored in a refrigerated room. Well, they use humidors now someplace. Okay, well, they're, they're turning it aside if they want to do a humidor, but they're trying to basically have the temperature of the balls be the same. I don't every, know. I, I think they're stadium. getting crazy with this stuff. They've yeah. been playing baseball for a long time. They can change everything. The mud, come, you should know this. It comes from New Jersey. Yeah, Mississippi mud clay. It's from New Jersey. 
Now, somewhere. What do they call it, Mississippi Mike? Yeah, right. well, they, they have apparently there's some Japanese synthetic substitute, and they prepare the balls in the factory. And they come wrapped in aluminum foil. They're experimenting with that. There we go, Michael. Bo- baseballs in aluminum foil. What do you think? What do you think? Uh, I care more what happens with the baseballs on the field. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> well, apparently the idea is that home, there are too many home runs. They're trying to deaden the ball. There you have it, Mike. We're going to wrap them in aluminum foil. Yeah. It's funny, though, because uh, there was a study done that shows the baseballs are made differently. That's what's leading to the home runs now. So they're kind of trying to fix the problem that they made. How about just don't throw it straight down the middle? Why don't we try that? <laughs> right? That might work. So, Mike, what do you uh, expect the roles of Travis Darno and Kevin Pluwicki to be? You, you're not expecting a straight platoon. You're expecting Darno to get the majority of the playing time. He, it starts out this way every year. It doesn't seem to end up this way. Yeah, that's what I expect. I mean, Darno under the radar, had a pretty good year last year. I mean, in just 112 games, he hit 16 home runs with a ISO just below 200. Like, you, that's really solid power numbers out of a catcher. But, of course, he is going to miss time. Last year's 112 games was a career high. Uh, and so when he misses time, Kevin Plawecki, who I'm not a fan of, but the Mets seem to love, he'll be first in line to replace him. The, the problem, of course, is no matter what he does, he, he was traded for not one, but two Cy Young Award winners. Yeah, he'll never live up to that. Yeah. He was the big name in the Syndergaard trade until they actually, you know, came up and debuted, and Syndergaard is way better. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's move on to shortstop. What do you expect from uh, Ahmed Rosario besides trying to pose as a uh, Jose Reyes lookalike? So, I don't know if you know this, Mike. They are, like, best friends, Reyes and Rosario. Yeah, that's a little weird because he's about twice his age. Yeah. He could it, be his son. It's weird because I, I actually follow Jose Reyes on Snapchat, and they... they that's weird. I guess, I guess so. But what the ki- as the kids would say, sus, they act very sus together. Like, they're... I don't know. It's, it's always a little... There was one snap where uh, Rosario didn't even know they were on Snapchat, but they were sitting with their arms wrapped around each other, and... I was just like, like, you guys don't have to be this close as friends all the time. I'm telling you, he may actually be his kid. He might. He might. I mean, he, there was rumors that he had a second family, so maybe Rosario is, is that kid. <laughs> but from fantasy baseball, what do I expect? I think he can be a good source of speed. Uh, I don't think he'll be a great average hitter, not early on at least. Uh, he swings and misses way too much. His strikeout rate in a small sample size last year was almost 30%. His walk rate was below 2%. So I don't expect him to get on base at, at a high clip. And because of that, I think he's actually going to hit either 8th or I think the Mets are going to explore this hitting him ninth because they want to hit Cespedes in the 2-hole. So I think hitting him ninth and hoping to have him and then Nemo both maybe be table setters for Yoannis Cespedes and then a Jay Bruce hitting third. So I think that'll hurt his counting stats. But in a Roto League, if you want a late source of stolen bases, I think that's where he comes in. You know, I'm okay with that if maybe DeGrom is pitching because he, he can hit a little bit or, 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 or Syndergaard to somewhat. But I, to me, to to just have not have your worst hitter last is just is just silly. But oh, whatever, I digress. So uh, both DeGrom... Um, and Syndergaard are the horses here. So Syndergaard had an average fastball velocity of 97.9 miles an hour the last two seasons, which is highest in all of Major League Baseball. You know what the average uh, Major League fastball is? Uh, 93 miles per hour? 91.8. And he was 97.9, so it's significantly higher. So he throws his slider faster than the average fastball. 
To me, you know, I I like to see differences in the speed of pitches. Not so much like you could throw it hard; it just goes further when you hit it. If you don't spot it in the right his, place, his slider I, last year was in the, I mean small sample size ninety three point two miles per hour. Uh, yeah, it is. That's faster than the average major league fastball. Yeah. So then Degrom had a uh, a miss rate of twenty eight point eight percent last year, which is second highest in the major leagues. You know what the uh, swing and miss rate is among uh, fastballs in the major leagues? He's twenty eight eight. Fastballs, I'm going to say it's like 13%. 16.3. Do you know who's higher than him? One, there was only one person higher than him. Uh, Luis Severino? Rich Hill. Wow, a guy who throws his curveball very often. Although it's, it's, it wasn't as many. Uh, there were uh, 497 swings against Rich Hill fastballs, 157 uh, misses. DeGrom threw about double. It would probably be the amount of anything he pitched, too. 888 uh, and 256 misses. I'm so. very impressed with the numbers that, that you're You like that? Brought. I'm bringing it today, aren't I? <laughs> How about that? This is impressive. Yeah. I stayed up all night with this stuff. <laughs> so let, let me ask you this. Are you going to screw the pooch, and are you going to draft Matt Harvey? Oh, yeah. I know you're itching to. Oh, I am 100% going to. I, I tweeted this out about maybe two weeks ago now at this point. It was when spring training first started. I was just like, P- uh, PSA, public service announcement, right? Yeah. I was like, PSA to everyone. I'm going to get sucked in on Matt Harvey again. Matt Harvey is my favorite player in Major League Baseball since I guess we can't consider David Wright a Major League player anymore. So, yeah, whenever he shows promising signs, I buy in. George, how do you feel about pitchers who are coming off of uh, injury histories? Does well, that bother you, athletes that have injuries? It, obviously, you know, you're looking at reclamation projects mostly, correct? When someone's doing that, so you get them cheap, and then you hope that they, they have that muscle memory from knowing how to pitch. You know, and certainly Tommy John surgery is a, is a, it's yeah. a known fact. You're better. So, Mike, what, uh, what would you expect to get him at in an auction? Two, 260. Pretty cheap. Like... I don't think he's a, a dollar player anymore because he mixed mix mix five by five mix five by five. I think you can get him for like four or five bucks. Interesting. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Talk about some of these other guys. Uh, Jason Vargas. What is your appetite on him? Uh, he doesn't really move the needle much for me. I know he had that really hot April last year where he was striking everyone out. I didn't buy into it then and. I'm not buying into it now. I think he he's one of these guys who is much better in real life because he'll give a team 180 innings and of you know pretty solid ball and and to a real life major league team that that's great, but to your fantasy team it's not. So check this out: Jason Vargas threw his changeup 32.7 percent of the time in 2017. He was the highest among all qualified starting pitchers. You know what? Uh, the average changeup is thrown about how much? I'll guess fifteen percent. Fifteen point three percent. Very good. So that's that's interesting tidbit. The problem here is, so he threw it about one third of the time. The other the other two thirds he had to throw a fastball, and he was the uh, worst performing starting pitcher when he threw his fastball. Uh, Major League uh, uh, batters uh, hit uh, four fifty three off of his fastball. Yeah, because uh, his fastball, I'm going to look at it right now. I believe it tops out at like 88 miles per hour. So why didn't you just throw the change up more? 
Yeah, his Why average, does he throw the changeup two-thirds of the time and the fastball one-third? I, I don't know. His average fastball, 86.5 miles per hour to major league hitters. That's, that's easy to square up. So he, he threw it 32.7% of the time. Give, give me uh, the next uh, handful of guys and the highest usage of that changeup. You want me to guess? Yeah. Um, I will uh, – McCullers and Rich Hill are f- curveball guys. Um, I'll guess Steven Strasburg. No. Dude, he throws heat. Yeah, I thought maybe he would mix it up. Uh, I know he has a good changeup when he throws it. Um, so it's not guys who throw hard then who throw it very often. The next guy would be Marco Estrada. I would not have guessed him. 31.9%. Tyler Anderson, 30.3%. Jeremy Hellickson, 29.8%. And Kyle Hendricks. 28%. Hendricks is the one that maybe I should have gotten. The other three guys I never would have thought of. So, I mean, he's going to be in the rotation, isn't he? Yeah, I think uh, right now, obviously, Syndergaard and DeGrom have their spots locked in. And everything I read after that, it shows that Vargas, for the $8 million they gave him a year, he's locked in. And then Harvey seems to have that fourth spot. And it comes down to Mats and Wheeler for the For $8 million bucks, George, I think they ought to give you a spot to play, no? Exactly. You would think. <laughs> you would think. Yeah. You would think. Um, opponents um, hit 163 off of his curveball. He should probably throw that a little more often. Did you know that Major League average off a of curveball is only 119? I did not know that. So why don't they throw these pitches that the hitters don't hit well more often? What are, everybody's trying to muscle up and throw it as hard as they can, but that's what everybody hits best. Yeah, it's if you look at it, last year uh, around the league, uh, fastballs were thrown less than they have since this data was recorded in 2002 since then last year was the lowest percentage of fastballs thrown and and what you're saying makes sense it's why pitchers like Lance McCullers and Rich Hill are successful because they throw their curveball more than their fastball uh, the players don't see it as much growing up anymore I'll tell you this and things have changed you can't get drafted now unless you're throwing unless you're packing heat you can't the only the only touch pitchers that or in the major leagues now, or guys who at one point threw heat, and they either got hurt and remade themselves as knuckleballs or pitchers or finesse pitchers once they're already in the systems, either that or they they failed and and they tried something different. Nobody gets drafted. There, there are no Greg Maddoxes getting drafted anymore, or Tom Glavins just painting the corner at eighty eight miles an hour. You don't get drafted doing that. I, you know, I'll tell you. I think there's a lot of stuff that goes on with tech in the modern game, where, where basically every team's got video of every pitcher. So when a guy comes out in the beginning of a season or even the middle and and he's unhittable, they review every pitch and they figure out the tell when he's throwing his. Yeah, change well, up I think that happened with. You Darvish in the World Series, didn't yeah. it? Mike, didn't, they, they, they claimed they, they were able to know yeah, what he was yeah, they said he was tipping pitches. To George's point, though, he is not wrong. Like I read an article about Trevor Bauer and about how he was trying to learn a new pitch this year, and he would throw it once and take like still frames and, and study it for like 10 minutes and then throw it again and then study it again for 10 minutes. And yeah, You know what? When you think too much between the white lines, I don't, I don't like that. You just, just got to... Just kind of, kind of do it. Um, let's move on to Zach Wheeler. Um, do you think Zach Wheeler is going to have a spot in the rotation? Nope. I think Zach Wheeler is going to be a bullpen arm for the Mets. Really? Well, I wonder how effective he can be because he can come in and throw as hard as he can and just get three outs. Yeah. That. So the Mets seem to be intrigued by what from like what I've read and stuff. They're intrigued by 
what he can be as a bullpen pitcher because he has swing and miss, come in, fire it as hard as you can type stuff. So I think he could maybe be that reliever in the Andrew Miller role for the Mets where maybe not in like you're bringing him in with men on, but hey, I, I, we're going through the heart of the order here in the sixth and seventh inning. Come bring, we'll bring you in, get two innings out of you, and then we'll go to our back of the end rotation guys. Steven Matz isn't a, a, a bullpen type arm. He He's a finesse pitcher. So I, I think that he'd either be in AAA or in the rotation. And with they're both struggling a little bit in spring, it makes me think that they're going to go with Matz in the rotation. So here, here are two things with Wheeler in the, in, the, uh, in the bullpen. So he, unlike Familia, who can't throw a first pitch strike, had uh, the third highest strike percentage first pitch in the major leagues last year, 71.2%. How about that? Yeah, and that's something that he like consciously works at, on, apparently. There was an article out for The Athletic that said that when he's up 0-1 in the count, he pitches like an all-star pitcher. When he falls behind, he's like terrible. So he knows that, and he like apparently really tries to pound the strike zone early on. Actually, you know why I lied? That statistic was in the second half of last season. I guess that's because he didn't pitch the first half of last season. Yeah, I mean, he pitched a little bit of it, got hurt, it... He misses too much time with injuries. So, so here's the problem with that. Though. So he's good getting one strike. He's okay getting two strikes. He's not, however, able to get three strikes because he's second worst with two strikes. The league hit 544. How is that possible? That I don't know. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. For a guy who has stuff like he has, you would think once he gets ahead in the count. Well, you know, I, I do note, though, that people foul a lot of his stuff off and frustrate the heck out of him. He's just not able to put him away. Yeah, I, I, I think that he'll be one of those guys that if he goes to the bullpen, you'll start to see a little bit. Of, we always see an uptick in velocity when they pitch just one inning. And I think he could be a really good reliever. I don't know if he's cut out to be a starter. And your boy Matt Harvey, uh, when he's behind in the account... Uh, a major league worst. They slugged 644 against him last year. That didn't work out too well for him. You, do, do you see any improvement here? He's looked better this spring. Not great. Not what he once was, but better. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Mets. And then we're going to analyze Michael's Twitter account. I find your Twitter account fascinating, Michael. You tweet, oh, tweet out random baseball this. things. So uh, we'll be back with Mike's Twitter account after this. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses. No strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. All right, dominate your DraftKings and FanDuel Major League Baseball contest this summer with Daily Roto's Major League Baseball projections and optimizer. Go to dailyroto.com backslash premium and save 10% with the promo code FNTSY to use all the same tools and projections that millionaire maker winner Drew Dinkmeyer uses. And the tools just don't work for football. This is the same site that Drew used 
for last year's top five $150,000 DraftKings Live Final finish. So head over to dailyroadcom backslash premium and save 10% with the promo code FNTSY and see the results for yourself. So, Mike, one more player I want to get to before we move on to your uh, very interesting Twitter account is, is Drupal Cabrera. Uh, what do you make from him? He's obviously not going to be playing shortstop this year. Uh, what do you make from him? Yeah, he's funny because he was really upset last year. Funny like ha-ha funny? No, like in like a more ironic way. He was really pissed when the Mets asked him to play second last year. And then this year he was was insulted. Yeah, and this year he was like, I prefer to play second over third base. So, I mean, it's just kind of funny that he's come full circle with that. As Jubal Cabrera is not a great player in Roto because he doesn't do anything spectacular. But in a points league is where a guy like his Jubal is useful because he walks at a good mark he doesn't strike out much at all so he has a good obp and he does a little bit of everything like he'll hit for some power he'll give you doubles and he'll drive in and score a decent amount of runs so in a deeper points league like if you have a middle infield spot or something he can be useful there but in roto he's really boring so you know in, in DFS, we all, when there's a lefty on the mound, we all look for ways to wedge Wilmer Flores into the lineup when we can because he's usually cheap and, and he rakes against lefties. Now, Cabrera switch hits, correct? Yes, he does. Do you know what his batting average is against left-handed pitching was last year? I'm guessing not very good. 392, Michael. Oh, very good. Third best in Major League Baseball. So maybe you should get him in in D- DFS. I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe, maybe the both of them, they should both be playing, although I don't know. At how they're going to platoon them? Major league average is two fifty five against lefties. Three ninety two. How about that? Yeah, and there is a way to. I mean, you just put Wilmer at first when you're facing a lefty, so you get you get old aging Gonzalez out of there. Uh, I guess so. All right, all right. So let's uh, let's move on. You're not liking Adrian, by the way. You keep dissing him. It's his age. It's the fact that I think that he. Is, it's something against him. I just think that a guy who is. Three years removed from his last real good season with dealing with severe back issues. Like, we didn't have enough of back issues with David Wright. We now get this guy only because he is on a league minimum salary. To me, it was just the cheap way out. All right. I'll accept that. I'll accept that. All right. So let's move on to your Twitter account. First, I want to start off. What is your obsession with Blake Snell? Why do I have to get a Blake Snell tweet across my timeline every friggin' day? I love Blake Snell. I, you got a man crush on Blake Snell. So, I, and this is nothing like, I, I never liked Blake Snell before this season. But when we were back in like January, when, you know, when we were just starting to In the to olden dive, days, way back. In the way olden back. days, when we were just starting to dive into to baseball and football was over, I kept looking at like, n- like different leaderboards and stuff, and Blake Snell kept jumping out as a guy who pitched really well in the second half. So... I dove more into it and more into it. I ended up writing an article for Roto Experts because I had way too much Blake Snell research that I thought I, I should do something with this. So I, I wrote an article, and then I, I just think he broke out last year. And last year, the guy I was really high on that I thought broke out the, halfway through the season before that was James Paxton. And I think Blake Snell can be like a this year's James Paxton. Maybe not as good as Paxton was, but I think he is a pitcher that I have on a lot of teams already, and I think I'm advocating heavily for people to draft him. George, one could never have too much Blake Snell research, could you? Never. Never. You never. <laughs> so uh, have you exhausted all your Blake Snell research? Do you have any in, in, in demand, or you, you spent it all? I, I mean, 
I think I spent it all. All right, so I shouldn't be seeing any more Blake Snell <laughs> tweets then, correct? But people tweet me about Blake Snell because I know I love Blake Snell. Okay. Well, so this I, is the new thing in baseball to find undervalued talent yeah. that's going to break out, right? So he's I, just I doing guess, the right well, thing. Write, write this down, that's George. Blake name. Snell. Break, and and if him. you need yeah. any research need on Blake Snell, I know who to go to. you know who to go to. I yeah. just followed that's you that. on Twitter, Florida. Oh, there you go. Oh, I'll follow you back. Look at that. See? You're gaining Twitter followers, Mike. How about that? All right, so you, you, you sent out a tweet about uh, you, you were, uh, I don't know, you're going shortstop crazy the other day. Shortstop leaders, 2017, you listed Lindor, home runs, 33. Stolen bases, Turner, 46. Runs, Andrus, 100. RBI, Lindor. You didn't list how many. Maybe it was 99, you did. Um, and Correa, average, 315. So, other than random the high watermarks for shortstops, what am I supposed to do with this information? Honestly, if you want the, uh, the correct, the truth answer, yeah. uh, we did shortstop preview on the BFFs. Uh, now, when you preface that by giving me, say, I'm going to give you the truth answer, if you have to preface that first, do you usually not something? Yeah. No, but I could be like, oh, it's useful in this sense. But the truth is we were doing a shortstop preview, and so I look up the leaders at that position just so I could say, hey, oh, we're talking about Lindor. He led in two of the five roto categories. So I had this info, and I was just like, I, I might as well tweet it out. I didn't really talk about it much on the show. So since I it, I didn't bring it up for look it up for no reason, I'll just I'll tweet it out. Clearly not as thorough as your research on Blake Snow. Oh no, not just even touched close. on points. <laughs> All right, you have ISO leaders here: Zach Cozart, two fifty one; Paul DeJong, two forty seven; Carlos Correa, two thirty five; Francisco Lindor, two thirty two; Trevor Story, two nineteen; Javier Baez, two oh seven; and Didi Gregorius. Who everybody else you just listed what their ISO leaders were uh, numbers were, but him you decided to throw under the bus, and you, you had to go and then mention that he had the sixth lowest hard hit rate of all shortstops, and and you did that because why? Because he's a Yankee, didn't you do that? <laughs> no, no, no. I have a personal vendetta with Didi Gregorius. Uh, Frank Stample and I before last season made a bet that Didi wouldn't hit 20 home runs. And my belief, my reasoning was he never makes hard contact. I thought he lucked into 20 well, he home runs. He hit the ball all over the fence quite a few times last year. And he hit over 20 home runs, and then I lost the bet. I had to wear a Didi Gregorius shirt on the BFFs one day. So then I looked into it more, and I still can't buy into the power given how little hard contact he makes. I get it. He plays in the great Yankee Stadium. And can, will he probably hit 20 home runs again? It seems like that is becoming a trend. But, yeah, but everybody hits 20 home I, runs. Now. I can't draft Didi Gregorius and expect any power. So you listed names of hard contact ahead of him. Ronald Torres, Miguel Rojas, Jose Peraza, Eric Ibar, and Wilmer Defoe. I think you just... You literally just cherry pick there to try to make him look as bad as possible. That's the no, way I no, see. It. No. Where is he going to hit this year? Is he is he hitting cleanup? Where is he hitting? I don't know. With the new manager, um, my guess is that he hits more like in the six hole because I'm thinking it's going to be uh, Gardner, Judge, Stanton. Then you have Bird and Sanchez. I think that are going to come in the four five spot. So I think DD hits six, which is going to hurt his value. And and he didn't do anything to deserve getting lower in the order. I just I think they're going to go with a more traditional lineup. All right. So you don't like 
DD degrees. No, I have a vendetta against them. All right, next, another random stat. You just you just like random things. I don't know. As catchers with at least 100 plate appearances, Austin Barnes had the highest OBP at 408. The only other catcher with an OBP of over 400 with Buster Posey. Now, 100 plate appearances isn't a lot. No, it's How not. many did he have? Uh, I could double-check that for you yeah. right now, but... So again, if this was Blake Snell, you'd have this right at the tip of your tongue. <laughs> oh, I'd have it ready, and and I'd be like hoping you asked me that. No, Austin Barnes last year had 262 plate appearances. All right, and but, so you're suggesting with an OBP of 408 that he's gonna get more plate appearances and keep that ratio? What are you, what are you suggesting by this? What are you insinuating with this tweet? Uh. I, well, this was, again, a tweet that I, I tweeted out after we did our catcher show. Uh, there's a trend here. Um, but, yeah. I thought, this was a useless leftover information from the show? Anything that I don't really get to bring up on the show, I usually tweet out. Just so I, I use it in some sense. Are you suggesting he's in the category, uh, in the tier of Buster Posey? No, 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 no. Use his name literally in the same sentence. I, I mean, it's a good class to be in when you have an OBP higher than Buster Posey. It just sucks because Yasmani Grandal and him are going to take time away from each other. And I think both of them, if they were on their own teams with their own job, could be top 12 catchers. But since they're going to take playing time away from each other, I think they knocked themselves out of that. Do you own any Austin Barnes? No. Okay. If, if he was a starter in a points league, I would. Here's somebody I'm guessing you own. Blake Snell? CJ Cron. Yes. Yeah, because you come out with this pro Crone tweet here. Last year, C.J. Crone had a 44.7 fly ball rate. Only 17 qualified hitters had a rate of that or higher. Of those 17, only 10 matched or exceeded his hard hit rate of 35.8%. Then you go on to say he should see every day at bats for the first time. His ADP is currently outside the top 400. He's a late round sleeper in deeper leagues that I like this season. You're trying to convince people they should take C.J. Crone. Yes, and I... Tweeted that out, and then a couple days later, Nando DeFino was on uh, BFFs, and he told me that he is in on CJ Crone. And we, because of your tweet? No, no, no. He oh. just likes him. And then we, I found out Greg Sussman also likes him. So all the BFFs like, except for Frank Sample, like CJ Crone. And I'm high. On it. I, I think if you can hit the ball hard, you hit the ball in the air. What's not to like about that? Especially if you're getting everyday playing time. Do all the BFFs like Blake Snell? Greg doesn't, but Greg is just slow to come around. I, I well, sometimes I feel that Greg just says the opposite, just to to be opposite. Frank's in. A, Frank's not as high on him as I am, but he likes him. But uh, Greg is just he's slow to come around. We'll we'll change that. For for anyone who's who's interested, Mike doesn't uh, keep things close to the fest here. And you know, if people are playing in fantasy leagues with you, this is not good. My early 2018 obsessions. Not you're obsessed with these people. Guess who the first one is, George? I, I couldn't guess. Blake Snell. <laughs> Surprise. Of course. Blake Snell, Cespedes, Tanaka, Tanner Roark, Jonathan Villar, Gregory Polanco, Eduardo Rodriguez, Mike Clevenger, Archie Bradley, Brad Peacock, Jonathan Lucroy, and the guy you dissed earlier on, Stephen Matz. Yeah, this was before spring training. I, I have since tweeted that I was starting to get worried about Steven Matz. I still think he's going super late. All of those guys are guys that I've drafted on multiple teams. All right. Uh, Kyle Schwarber. 
What do you what do you make of Kyle Schwarber? Is he is he going to be everything they thought he was when they brought him back on one leg for the World Series, or is he going to uh, work out more like last year? I think he could be what he was an improved version of what he was last year with a better batting average. This is the first year I'm actually in on drafting Kyle Schwarber because his asking price has dropped dramatically. In years past, I thought you were just paying up for the hype. All right, uh, George, you're going to count here for this. You, you can probably have to use uh, two fingers here. Okay. So, Mike, we're, we're going to uh, see how many more starting players you can name uh, between the Padres and the Rays. You ready? Oh, man. So the Padres first. Go ahead, name the starting pitches, George. I'll, I'll tell you if he, if he okay, names one that's I no correct. And I I, I'm assuming zero. that uh, the people who I think are going to start are going to start. So uh, go, go ahead. Right. Nelson Lamette. Okay. Um, this is a lot harder when you're put on the spot. Because after Denelson Lamette, I've kind of drawn blanks. Um, yeah, I'm drawing blanks. I don't know why. All right, we'll start with the Padres, Mike. Yeah, I know. So who, who, who's the first baseman for the Padres? Eric Hosmer. All right, so that's one. Do you know who's at second base? Second base is... Uh... A fellow named Aswaji? Oh, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have got him off the I top thought of Corey Spangleberger would have been a bit better. Um, uh, shortstop. Is it uh, Jose Perella? It would be Freddie Galvis. Oh, yeah. Perella's not. Left field. Isn't Perella left field? Perella's in left this year. Yep. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, third base. It's not Will Middlebrooks. He was in uh, competing for that job. His third. last name rhymes with Schmedley. Medley? Headley. Oh, yeah. Chase Headley. Yeah. So it rhymes with Schmedley. All right. Right field. Will Myers. All right, so that's that's two you got. Uh, center field. Manny Margot. Okay, that's three. I'm going to give you a shot at left field. Jose Perella. Oh, good. All right. So that's and right. Austin Hedges is the here. catcher. Oh, so that's five. All right, who's the closer? Brad Hand. Six. Can you name anybody in the rotation? I'm drawing a blank on the rotation for some reason. I'm not going to put on the spot. Uh, this uh, number one starter, first name rhymes with uh, Schmitchard. Oh, Clayton Richard. Or isn't it Richard? It's Richard. R I C H A R D. There's no accent. Yeah, it's all right. Seven. All right, and you and you you said Denelson lament before. Lament. I'll give you so that's that, that 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 that's eight. So you got eight. Who are the pitchers I'm missing? I'll know them once you say that. Mitchell. Yeah. Permadano. Yeah. Robbie Erlin, I think. Yeah, like that. That's why. Those are the only ones I know. None of those guys are on my radar. All right. All right. Let's move on to the. Uh, so the Tampa Bay Rays. You have to do I'll do than much eight. better with the Rays. You think so? Yeah. Better than eight. Yeah. You almost got a whole team. There. Yeah. I almost, <laughs> well, had, I almost <laughs> had to take off a shoe. All right, you, you, you can use it. a DH. <laughs> George almost had to take off a shoe. <laughs> so a, all right. So we're, we're going to go around the horn. All right? Yep. Guy we spoke about already at first base. Who's that? CJ Crone. All right. George, you counting, right? There we go. Uh, second base. Brad Miller. All right. He, now, does he qualify elsewhere? He does. He has first base. Okay. No more shortstop for him? No. All right. So that's two you got. Shortstop. Echeverria. That's three. Third base. Third base. I'm drawing a blank on third base. He's a closet fan. He's got no... All right. Well, well, well um, who would that be? I mean, I'm thinking maybe Duffy? Matt oh, Duffy? yeah, yeah, yeah. It will probably be All Matt right. Duffy. All right. Uh, right field. Right field will be... Rhymes with Schmomez. <laughs> Carlos Gomez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, center field. I got no rhyming for this one. Yeah, I can. I don't know. Left field is Denard Span. Is it listed uh, as, or is either DH? I, 
Uh, well, Denard Span is there. I don't know. Doesn't uh, who, who gets to play him or Malik Smith? I don't know. Oh yeah, the, it's them two catchers, Wilson Ramos. Yeah. Pitchers, they got Snell, they got Archer, they got. Uh, Who's the closer, Mike? Who's the closer? Colomay. You, you you killed this. George is, George is on his toes now. You, you did good. Ten. I missed two. Oh, you missed two. All right. All right. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, next up, game time decisions.